BHP bids $8.3 billion for a major copper miner. Foreign Minister Penny Wong calls for calm over Taiwan and Qantas execs told to start loading baggage. It's Tuesday, the 9th of August, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Adam Lang and good morning to you, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Adam. Now, I'm remiss yesterday. I should have mentioned this because I know that you are an aficionado of music, particularly Australian music. Judith Durham died. Very sad. She did. And, you know, one of the most phenomenal careers of Australian music history, The Seekers, around the world, they were a chart success. Yeah. I mean, the first album my household ever had that I can remember was The Seekers. And so I think for anyone that was born or grew up in sort of 70s, 80s, there was always a Seekers album in the house. Puff the Magic Dragon? Was that one of the first songs was you that, remember? Was that actually, it is definitely one of the first songs <laughs> I remembered. Was that actually a, a Seekers song? It was. Wow. I know, incredible. May she rest in peace, Judith Durham. What a career. The main story this morning, Sean, the big Australian, BHP, has made an $8.3 billion offer for Oz Minerals, but the board of the South Australian copper miner said the bid undervalued the group. That's right. BHP lobbed the bid on Friday night in a deal which would consolidate its copper assets in South Australia and return a $1 billion nickel project, which it gave away almost a decade ago. The offer price of $25 a share resulted in Oz Minerals' share price soaring 35% yesterday to finish the day at $25.59. Several market analysts said the deal made sense, but BHP would have to up the price, given Oz Minerals' share price earlier in the year was $29. The board of Oz described the approach as unsolicited, conditional, non-binding and indicative, adding that the group's share price had traded above the offer price for five of the last 12 months. More recently, it has tumbled as prices of copper, nickel and aluminium, the main commodities that Oz Minerals mines, those prices have fallen. BHP boss Mike Henry came out after Oz Minerals' rejection, saying it was disappointing that Oz wasn't willing to allow a due diligence process. Oz runs two copper and gold mines in South Australia's Gawler Creighton Copper District, and those two mines are located on either side of BHP's Olympic Dam Copper Hub. As a result, there's certainly plenty of opportunity to create efficiencies by combining the operations. So strategically, this is really interesting to me, but why do you think BHP is making the bid? Well, BHP's Mr. Henry has made it clear he wants copper assets to take advantage of the renewable transition that's going on in the next few decades. Also, the geography of Oz Minerals mines means synergies are available. More importantly, though, BHP's giant Olympic Dam project in South Australia has never quite fulfilled expectations. And this might be a way of giving that a real boost. That's really interesting. And these projects are always huge. Making an acquisition is big business for any company. What do you think? Will this one be successful? Well, as you would know, Adam, it always comes down to price. <laughs> yes. Oz Minerals has been doing it tough recently. It has many big plans. It has a very strong management team but it's also burning through cash. For example, its West Musgrave Nickel Project in Western Australia, which is the one BHP gifted to Oz eight years ago, needs about $1 billion to develop. Now, Oz Minerals doesn't have that sort of money. Will shareholders support Oz's management? That's unclear. So maybe Oz needs a big, big brother like BHP. Next week, BHP is due to release its annual result, and then Oz two weeks later 
yesterday is definitely not the last we'll hear of this deal. All right, now let's get to the local markets. How did they perform yesterday? The S&P ASX 200 closed up slightly to 7,021 points. Energy and materials companies did best, while utilities companies also outperformed. Consumer discretionary and real estate investment trusts were among the worst performers. If we look at the large caps, Commonwealth Bank jumped over 1%. Woodside Energy and Rio Tinto were up around 2%. Fortescue Metals rose 4.5%. Goodman Group and Aristocrat Leisure both fell more than 3%, while West Farmers was off 2%. Not surprisingly, Oz Minerals was the best performer yesterday. Otherwise, Data Group Appen closed up 13%, and Biotech Immugene jumped nearly 10%. Suncorp was the worst on the day, down 4.6%. I'll tell you more about that one in a moment. So, Sean, yesterday we spoke about geopolitics and what was happening around in global markets. Where are they at now? Well, if you we go to the commodity sector, oil markets are steady, albeit well below those levels of recent months. Brent crude is trading around 95 US dollars a barrel. Gold continues to do well. It's trading around 1,770 US dollars an ounce. And Adam, the Aussie dollar is buying 69.3 US cents. Thank you. And we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Foreign Affairs Minister Penny Wong says it's critical that the temperature is lowered and calm restored in the Taiwan Strait, Sean. The comments came at what was supposed to be the end of Chinese military exercises in the region. Senator Wong said there was a need for restraint and not overreaction. Beijing, of course, is upset that US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan last week. China considers Taiwan part of its territory and in response to the visit, spent four days undertaking live military drills around the island nation. Yesterday, unfortunately, China's military announced new exercises very close to Taiwan. Now, Senator Wong was speaking at the opening of the first ever Latvian embassy in Australia. Don't know much about Latvia. Do you, Adam? Not nearly enough, Sean. No, no, we'll have to find out more. And look, just quickly saying in foreign affairs, the outgoing European Union ambassador, Michael Polch, said he hopes for a free trade deal between Australia and the EU sometime next year. He said the relationship between the two regions is on an upward trajectory. So, Sean, while I brush up on my Latvian history, mm-hmm. BHP isn't the only big company looking to buy assets. Macquarie Group is close to a deal to a waste business in the UK for $3.7 billion. That's right. Viola Environment is close to selling Suez's UK waste business to Macquarie, according to Bloomberg. Now, Viola acquired Suez, which is a French rival, earlier in the year. It's had to offload some assets as part of competition concerns. One of those is this UK waste business. Now, waste and waste treatment and recycling services are fast becoming really big businesses around the world as governments introduce more stringent rules to fight pollution. That's why Macquarie's after this one. It's come down to two groups aiming for this business. One's Macquarie, another is an investment group. There were reports yesterday that senior Qantas executives will move from the boardroom to the tarmac and help shift luggage. Now, Sean... I think I'd like to see this. It's a cracking idea, surely. The airline's put a note out. It wants at least 100 volunteers from head office to carry out shift work at Sydney and Melbourne airports over the next three months. So rather than sitting at a desk, you'd be loading and unloading luggage and driving vehicles that shifts bags between terminals and aircraft. Qantas is struggling in many areas, including luggage, on-time flights, and of course, those huge queues we've all seen on the TV. In June, it cancelled more than 8% 
of flights due to staff issues such as COVID. It was the worst airline in the country on that basis. It now is asking for volunteers who normally turn up in a suit perhaps or just a, a smart casual dress to don the overalls and head out to the tarmac. So, Sean, I'm sure you'd get high vis and a bit of training, but do you also need to wear like an L permit if you're kind of on loan from executive to luggage handling? It's interesting you say that because I often sit there and watch the people drive the cars at airports. So you're inside the terminal and I think that's actually a really dangerous job. Yeah. Hmm. Don't know. Need to be well trained. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Me too. Okay. TikTok Australia has reported a 220% jump in revenue to nearly $72 million and is seemingly unfazed by the tough times for digital advertising. It doesn't seem to be hitting them. No, look, my kids are big TikTok users and just occasionally <laughs> they drag me in. Okay. It can be pretty compelling. Have you looked at it, Adam? A little, Sean. Mm. Only a little. I've, yeah, I've, I've a little too much, I think, for me. <laughs> look, the group has had a local arm since late 2019, and the revenue figure that $72 million is for 2021, according to the Financial Review. Globally, TikTok is expected to take in about $12 billion. US dollars in revenue this year. That's three times the level of last year. And it's more than Twitter and Snapchat combined. It just shows what a behemoth TikTok has become. It has 1 billion monthly active users across the world, and about 7 million of those are in Australia. Yeah. Well, let me take that one under advisement. In addition to Latvian history, I'll get cracking on TikTok. Excellent. Now, in some good news, petrol prices are down almost 20% from their peak in July, with prices falling most in bigger cities. And the good news keeps coming because they should keep falling as the price of Brent crude continues to drop. The national average pump price fell 8.1 cents last week to $1.73 a litre. At its peak in early July, it was $2.12 a litre. In cities, the average price is now $1.69 a litre. And in Sydney, prices have fallen for 49 straight days. According to Comsec, a typical family is now paying about $243 a month to fill up their cars. Everything helps. Now, Sean, you might be bumping up that average. You did report yesterday that you did about 320 kilometres on a single Saturday for sporting fixtures. I, I, did, I did. I am definitely bumping it up. And I didn't get it for $1.69 either. <laughs> well, there's better hope for next weekend. Yeah. Now, it's profit season and the early reporters are showing their books to shareholders. Queensland freight rail business Horizon disappointed. Yeah, it did. Its share price fell 3.5% after the company announced a 15% fall in net profit and a cut in its dividend. Not surprising, the group has really suffered from weather-related and COVID-19 disruptions to haulage. It is very based in Queensland, and that's where a lot of the bad weather has been. Sean, staying in Queensland and Brisbane-based Suncorp announced a 37% fall in earnings and, like a rise on, could blame the floods. It also suffered from tumbling investment markets. That's right. There'll be plenty of companies this reporting season who rely on investment income who'll disappoint shareholders. In the case of insurers like Suncorp, which owns brands such as AAMI, GOO and Bingle, they take premiums, invest them and then pay out claims. When investments are going backwards, results don't look so good. Now, Suncorp's dividend was less than half the payout of 12 months ago. Shareholders don't like that. The group said there was a chance profits could be hit this financial year due to another wet La Nina period. It will go ahead with the sale of its bank to ANZ, notwithstanding it recorded a sharp jump in home lending during the past six months. 
And Adam, the bit that most of us non-shareholders care about, premiums are up by around 10% due to the floods. Suncorp's share price closed 4.6% lower yesterday. Another contribution to the cost of living increases, Sean. Yeah, sure is. Beach Energy has signed an LNG sale and purchase agreement with BP's Singapore subsidiary. Yeah, it's a really big deal, this one. It means BP will purchase all 3.75 million tonnes of Beach's expected LNG volumes from the Watsia Stage 2 project. That's around 350 kilometres north of Perth. Supply is expected to start in the second half of 2023 and will continue for about five years. The announcement was enough to send Beach's share price up almost 7%. And also, Adam, the owner of Energy Australia, Hong Kong's CLP Group, so Energy Australia isn't listed here, obviously, But their owner said the Australian company had posted a $1.6 billion loss for the first half of this year. Pretty incredible. Ouch. Mm. In New South Wales, Sean, the former Deputy Premier John Barillaro appeared before a parliamentary hearing into the decision to give him a plum trade post in New York. Yes, Mr Barillaro certainly wasn't defensive about the decision to give him the role, even though evidence so far suggests he wasn't the preferred candidate, at least not initially. In his words, he said, I applied for a job fair and square, fair and square, and I went through a process and was offered the job. That's what I did. He rejected the notion that machinations were going on behind closed doors or that he'd received preferential treatment and said he's a victim of a messy process. Right. Mm -hmm. Moving on to overseas news, the US Senate has passed a massive spending package promised by President Joe Biden just months before the midterm elections. That's right. The US president had promised spending on climate change and healthcare and changes to taxation as part of the election process. The package passed the US Senate on Sunday night, although it's watered down somewhat from the original proposal. Still, it's a win for an increasingly unpopular president. The Inflation Reduction Act, as it's known, includes a $369 billion spend for climate and clean energy programs, a provision to apply a minimum 15% tax on large corporations, measures to reduce prescription drug prices, and a new tax on share buybacks. Sean, occasionally you use the term omnibus in our weekend edition. Do you think that is an omnibus bill? Oh, yeah, that's an omnibus bill. (laughs) Gets plenty in there. Okay, good. Now, Hong Kong will reduce the quarantine period for visitors from seven to three days. That's good news. It is. It's easy to forget that many places around the world still insist on quarantining if you're entering the country. The reduced time comes if travellers test negative for COVID as they go into Hong Kong, and really it's quite a change for the Chinese-led city to do that. So it is good news. Yeah, a welcome change, I hope, too. Israel and Gaza militant group Islamic Jihad have agreed to a ceasefire after three days of fighting resulted in more than 40 Palestinians killed and rockets flying deep into Israel's heartland. It's been the most intense conflict this year and the ceasefire was brokered by Egypt and the United Nations. It comes after Israel's military carried out a wave of airstrikes targeting what it said were Islamic Jihad members and sites since Friday and the militant group launched hundreds of missiles at Israel's south and centre. Anyway, the ceasefire is good news. It's great news and especially great news to close on. So, Sean, thank you. Up next is the Fear and Greed daily interview with Ben Groundwater. That's right. Ben has been a travel writer for 13 or 14 years with the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age in Melbourne. We talk lots about Qantas, actually, and the sort of PR disaster it's faced 
over the past few months. Mind you, it's not unique. There are plenty of airlines struggling. Great chat with Ben just about the industry itself, but more specifically about Qantas. Have you ever dreamed of being a travel writer, Sean? Everyone who's ever been a journalist (laughs) dreams of being a travel writer. Fair enough. That's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your favourite podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Adam. It's Tuesday the 9th of August 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. I'm Adam Lang and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.